This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast in association with Footy 5, the new free-to-play score prediction game from the pools. Simply predict five correct match scores and you could win 25 grand. And even if you suffer a near miss and get four match scores correct, there's still up to £2,000 to be won. To play Footy 5 this weekend, visit thepools.com. That's thepools.com. You need to be in the UK and over 18 to play. I'm your host, Joe Rimmer. The Reds are still unbeaten after a wonderful storage goal at Stamford Bridge. And I'm joined by three fine gentlemen to discuss the finer points of that game. To my right is our Liverpool reporter, both home and away, James Pearce. How are we, James? Very good, Joe. Yourself? Very good, thanks. To my left is Daniel Kay. How are we, Dan? Full of cold, but all the better for seeing you, Joe. You're just the tonic I needed. Just the tonic. Daniel Storage, not the tonic. Well, him as well. I'm sure he made you feel a bit better. And across the way from me is Theo Squires. How are we, Theo? Good, thanks. Delighted to be in an hour early for this. Uh, yeah, he, he's, <laughs> that's dedication, isn't it? He's come in an hour early to um, join in the Blood Red podcast. Everyone, everyone wants to be involved in this, don't they? Um, my first question I'm going to give you a little bit of background for, because it is to you, James. Now, if anyone sits near the press box at Anfield, for those listening at home, and when Liverpool score, if you ever hear a bit of a squeal, that is often our friend James Pierce, and what I want to know, James, is and the squeal is often accompanied by a bit of a, a leg touch for whoever sits next to him. So James, what a I lot of know, exclamation marks on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> James, what I want to know is how loud was the squeal at Stamford Bridge, and whose leg was squeezed? Uh, I can definitely tell you whose leg was squeezed. Neil Jones. Neil Jones, formerly of the Echo. Well um, done, Neil. He got a... Why do you think he left? He got a substantial leg, uh, knee squeeze. He didn't fancy squeezing Doyley's leg, no? No, no, he was, he was full of cold, Doyley, anyway. Oh. Not sure what you're going to catch touching him. So <laughs> the... Um, but I was, oh, I was just a, one of those amazing moments, wasn't it? It was, it was one, it was that special a goal. That How loud was the squeal before you? No, 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 I don't even. I'm not even maybe a, a little one, but yeah. more of a an under the desk fist pump. Cause you have to be a bit careful around there because you are surrounded by Chelsea fans. Um, but no, it was, it was that special a goal. It almost felt like everyone inside the ground needed like a, a second or so after it, the board hit the net to actually process what you'd just seen because obviously. You know, I've seen a few fans on Twitter admitting that they they were like, "Well, don't no, don't shoot from there." Like, you know, what on earth? Are you, just because it it looked almost impossible to score from from where he was, and yeah, when you think he had the most expensive goalkeeper in the world between him and what well, Kepa was, what probably about a yard off his line, and was beaten, all ends up just underlined just what a an unbelievable piece of magic that was from Sturridge. It was an unbelievable piece of magic, Dan. It was well-deserved from Liverpool, wasn't it? But had you started thinking that this wasn't their day? I think we'd all started to feel that way a little bit, hadn't we? I mean, it, it did feel very significant, that goal, that moment. Um, Liverpool played well. Liverpool turned up. It was a big game. We all, you know, we, a lot of a lot of spotlights on it. Probably was the biggest Premier League game of the season so far. And, you know, as the, the game ticked into the last 10 minutes, it... it I was starting to kind of reconcile myself to the fact that is it just going to be one of those one nils where we've played well and I wouldn't have been devastated because I've been to Stamford Bridge and other places before for big games like that and we haven't turned up and haven't put a performance in and you know it would have been a you know a hard luck story but this may be maybe the finest example that we've seen yet this season of the the real strength and depth and quality that we've got in the squad. And it's almost, you know, I'm sure we'll probably come on to this later on, but it almost kind of serves notice on 
I don't want to say the misfiring front three because, you know, they're still a real force to be reckoned with. They haven't quite hit the heady heights they did last season. But it's interesting that Daniel Sturridge is now already Liverpool's top scorer this season with four goals. And I think he's only had two starts. So it's a welcome quandary for the manager, Jurgen Klopp, to think about. Obviously, with two massive games this week coming up as well. Sturridge, you know... His attitude really seems to be absolutely bang on, and I think that that's been a crucial element in his kind of rehabilitation as a Liverpool player, and the fact that Klopp was prepared to. I mean, like most people, when did he come on? Eighty six, eighty seven, something like that. Yeah. And I remember kind of thinking to myself, almost kind of like, well, what's the point? Do you know what I mean? If I was him, it's kind of like, yeah, we're five, you know, at least give him ten to fifteen. And it was literally his first touch, wasn't it? Got mm-hmm. the ball, give us the ball, lads, bang, top corner. And it was, it was a. Uh, you never want to call it on too too early, but I hope that we're looking back at the end of the season as this being a really kind of significant moment in Liverpool's campaign. It's certainly, let's certainly hope it is. Um, we will spend a bit of time talking about Daniel Sturridge. Theo, it was an incredible goal. Um, he's had an incredible start to the season. If I'd have told you back in early, early June, early July, uh, that Daniel Sturridge will be playing a significant role for Liverpool at the start of this season... What would you have said? I wouldn't have believed it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I think all Liverpool fans were just getting used to the idea that there was going to be a future without Daniel Sturridge. So we've had that, what, the 2013-14 season where it was incredible. And then those two years where you're hoping he can recapture and it's never quite happened. And then you get Salah coming in, Firmino and Mane delivering yeah. the goods. You think, we don't need Daniel Sturridge anymore. But then he goes and does that. And you think, yeah. it's not a case of, should he get a contract? So how much when is he going to get this contract? Because he does need it now. This is the option that Liverpool need if they're going to keep challenging all of these fronts. Because when you've got the front three not quite delivering, you need those options off the bench. And it's not just him as well. Like on another day, we could easily be saying Liverpool won with Shakiri scoring that chance he had earlier in the game. And it was Shakiri who set up the goal for Sturridge. Well, James, when Liverpool were in the transfer market in the summer and they were making signings like Jordan Shakiri, they probably did need another forward and you know, we talked about players leaving and Storage was expected to leave, but he's almost like, it's a cliche, isn't it? But he is like a new signing for Liverpool. He is the perfect backup that they needed, isn't he? He is, yeah. Yeah, and you've got to give him, you know, a huge amount of credit for the way in which he's he's turned things around because it is you know, down to him, the way in which, um, you know, he, I think we've talked about it a few times from, you, you could see it from when he walked out at Chester for the first pre-season friendly. He looked like a, a new man. He'd spent... Most of his summer in the in the gym, making sure that you know he obviously had that horrendous spell at West Brom in the second half of last season, where couldn't contribute at all. Injuries, you know, it, you know, didn't even score for them, did he? I think on the, you know the, the handful of appearances he did make. Um, but yeah, I think you know he he probably appreciated from being away from Liverpool what was essentially slipping away and mm-hmm. that that was his one final shot at, at, at trying to um, at salvage his, his Anfield career. And he, he's certainly done that. Um, it'd be interesting to see what happens now. Cause I think, you know, I think he's, he's also benefiting from the fact that, you know, I think Klopp is using him quite sensibly in terms of, you, know, you could say that because of the goals, he, he deserves more minutes, but, you know, I think Klopp said himself in his quotes to the Monday papers that, that the next step for him is trying to prove that he can deliver, you know, an intensive performance over 90, 95 minutes because, you know, or or are we just going to see Daniel Sturridge as the impact sub maybe um, for a lot of games this season? Because I still think, despite his goals, I mean, Firmino is so important to Liverpool. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to see Sturridge nailing down a spa- starting spot, but then Liverpool don't really need him to, to be starting games. You know, they need 
you need quality options off the bench, and he's certainly providing that at the moment. Just a little fact, he surpassed um, Ryan Babel as the second best goal scorer off the bench in Liverpool's history. Is um, on 13, Babel's on 12, and he's now five behind David Fairclough um, for that. The original super sub. Yeah, the original super sub. Um, but yeah, James touched upon it there, Dan. If, what is next for storage? Is he, is he just destined this season to be a bench player? Because you, you can't, for, for all the goals, you can't really justify getting him in that starting lineup, can you, at the moment? I mean, the thing is, the way Liverpool play, I think there's always been this perception that Sturridge's physical attributes mm-hmm. don't exactly kind of make him the perfect fit for that kind of high-intensity, high-pressing game that, that clock, fa- clock favours. But I don't know, I think we're already starting to see kind of like a further evolution of Klopp's Liverpool side this season. And, you know, certainly the second half of last season, it was all this blitzkrieg attacking, blood and thunder, mm-hmm. heavy metal football, as the original phrase was coined when he first arrived. I do think there's more variety and more sophistication in how Liverpool are operating now. And I really hope Daniel Sturridge can and will be part of that because I'm I'm the biggest Bobby Firmino fan going. But he can't play, you know, particularly the way he plays, puts so much into it. He can't play every single game. And I think if Liverpool are to get towards the business end of the season, that final third, final quarter of the campaign in March, April, May, that we all hope they are, Going to be in the mix for the top prizes. You need to have every, you need to have all your different options, all still with plenty of the tank to deliver. And I think Klopp's experiences over the last couple of seasons, particularly the season before last, 2016-17, when, as we all know, the legs completely fell off in January, and it was kind of like a bit of a stagger job just to get to the line and finish fourth. It seemed like you know that experience kind of informed a lot of what Klopp, Klopp did last season, and I do. You know, I really hope that, that Sturridge can find a way to kind of carve out a niche for himself within this squad with the odd start here and there. I think more often than not, it will be an impact, an impact sub off the bench, and I think Saturday evening only proves that further. But there's more to him than that, and I hope he's given the opportunity to show it. They also just wanted there, James. Do you think there's Sturridge can play his way to a new contract at Liverpool? Yeah, I think he can do. I think I think it's too soon to be saying that mm. Liverpool should be waving a, an extension under his nose just because you know, I think you still have to keep it in 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 context in terms of, you know, we're, what are we, less than two months into the mm. season still. Um, but yeah, I think I think the awkward thing is, obviously, everyone knows he got that massive contract at a time when he, he was actually injured. And it was he on £120,000, £130,000 a week, um, which, you know, it, okay, football has moved on and now, you know, you've got players like Van Dijk on, on on certainly a lot more than that and Salah is amongst the highest wage earners but I think that's still an awful lot of money to be paying someone mm-hmm. who, who is essentially an impact player off the bench um, but yeah I mean it would if he keeps if he keeps the, the standards that he's set then then it is a no-brainer and I think that that certainly also as well I think you, you don't really want to reward him too soon no. because also I think it, you want to dangle that carrot and you know I think that's partly, I think, you know, it's only human nature that when, when suddenly, you know, your livelihood is at stake like that, you, you, it's, it's, it probably is a bit of a wake-up call for you. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, he's still got so much more to offer and he's only, what, just turned 29. Um, you forget yeah. that, don't you? Because he seems mm-hmm. to have been around forever. So. I know, yeah. Yeah, but it's just, you know, it's, it's sad, isn't it? Because it's like 2013, 14 just seems mm-hmm. so long ago and he's never been up to consistently 
deliver at the highest level since then. You know, you, yeah, you do kind of, you know, almost, uh, you know, I must admit, I'd, I'd written him off at the end of last season, didn't see any way back for him with, you know, the way that Klopp had invested a lot of time and effort in Solanke last season, obviously with Origi coming back as well. People were talking about, you know, Origi, big opportunity for him to, to show what he can do. And then obviously, you know, one of the, one of the, the rationale behind not buying a striker was was Klopp determined to ensure the pathway was clear for Rian Brewster, who obviously is expected yeah. to be fit round the turn of the year. So, you know, the odds were stacked against Sturridge, really. Um, but yeah, he's he's done brilliantly so far, and you know, I think obviously, you know, the contract situation will be interesting because if he does continue like this and stays fit, of course, come December time, you know, I'm sure we'll be right and we'll. Have, in three weeks' time, Daniel Sturridge could sign a pre-contract agreement yeah. with a with a, a foreign club, and suddenly, you know, that could become an issue. But yeah, I still think that's for a, a couple of months further down the road. Let's just hope that in you know in the start of December, we're still talking about Sturridge's resurgence. Okay, we'll move on to other areas of the pitch, Theo. Before the game, plenty of us were hoping and praying that Virgil Van Dijk would be fit. Um, he was fit. He he played through the pain barrier. He's just come out and told you, James Pierce, and. How vital was his performance? He and Joe Gomez seem to have formed a magnificent partnership at the back for Liverpool, don't they? Yeah, it's a big statement, I think, not just with Van Dijk being back, but Gomez, the fact that he mm. was given the nod because we've seen him sit out the last couple of games. Yeah. Lovren's back now, and Joel Matip's done so well against Southampton. Yeah, that was the game, the big game. They've gone on there and they've put in such a good performance. Like when you see the two of them sprinting back and sandwiching William off the yeah, ball. Yeah. Uh, there was another incident when they're chasing down Hazard. It's like, wow, this is a proper partnership. And they've still got so much growth between them that it's just going to get better and better. We can talk about Van Dyke all day, Dan, but Joe Gomez really impressed me with his maturity at the bridge. Um, he's got great pace. Uh, I th- you know, he's really nailed down this spot. Was do you think that was his best performance yet? I would, I, I would agree with that. I mean, the um, and I've read a couple of reports and a couple of comments from fans on Twitter. Actually, people suggesting he was actually our best defender. Not yeah. that Van Dyke was poor, far from oh, it. No. But that's that's just a measure of the of the admiration and how much people are really bowled over, really, by how much this young lad has really kicked on when you, know, you think it's only, what, 18 months ago when he, he played against Wolves in the FA Cup and he looks a long, long way from that kind of you know, early promising performances that we saw from him in his first games at left-back at the start of Brendan Rodgers' last season. I mean, I, I was, missed the first couple, literally the first two or three minutes of the game and virtually the first thing I saw was him throw, you know, winning a couple of last-ditch tackles on the edge of his own box and striding away confidently with the ball. And, you know, Sanford Bridge has never been an easy place for Liverpool to go. It's you know it, the, it's it's far from being the kind of cauldron that we all know Anfield is on European nights and so on, but they do kind of tend to reserve a special degree of enmity when Liverpool visit. Yeah. It's always quite hostile, particularly towards us. And Gomez just seems to th- he just seems to thrive on the pressure. He seems to thrive on the additional responsibility, playing alongside Van Dijk. I, th- I also think Van Dijk as well. Kind of, I get the impression he quite likes having the mentor role, the senior role, and mm-hmm. I, they just seem to be dovete- dovetailing beautifully together. Obviously, along with the goalkeeper, who's obviously giving that extra reassurance behind them, and um, you know, Dejan Lovren will probably be at the moment looking, looking slightly wistfully towards the pitch and thinking, "When am I going to get my place back?" But it's a long season. There's a lot of matches. Football is very capricious, as we know. Things can change very quickly, and you know, Liverpool needs strength and depth. But at the moment, Joe Gomez is Van Dijk's partner, absolutely on on merit. James, you caught off with with both men after the game. Uh, both good characters. 
Yeah, yeah, quite similar personalities, I think, in yeah. terms of very calm and, and relaxed, you know, laid back, really. I think you'd say it probably helps them, as Dan said, you know, when dealing with, you know, situations like that in, in intimidating environments, you know, neither of them are the type to get flustered or, you know, they take everything in their stride. And you you can tell that they really enjoy each other's company. I think both on and, and off the pitch. I think there's a there's a there's a strong bond there. I think Joe Gomez clearly feels as if he's benefiting massively from being able to learn of someone learn from someone of Van Dyke's stature. And but also you know you know speaking to Van Dyke, you could tell how blown away he is by just the maturity and the the quality of the the young centre back alongside him because. Um, Gomez got a little bit of stick last season, didn't he? For when he was at fullback, for mm-hmm. there was a few times where he maybe his decision making let him down at times. And but you know he just looks so much more comfortable in the middle. You know I think that was where everyone you know we all expected him his long term future to be. And obviously Lovren's kind of injury injury issues kind of opened the door for him at the start of the season. And he's yeah he's grasped it. Yeah, I thought that was arguably his best performance yeah. for the club. Which you know, but he's. He's hardly put a foot wrong all season so far, Gomez, and um, yeah, just he's just so so you know he just oozes quality and composure with the ball at his feet and you know reading danger so well and and dealing with it and yeah, Gomez and Van Dyke, you know that that partnership is is by far and away Liverpool's best centre back partnership. James touched upon it there. I thought the way Joe Gomez used the ball at, at the Stamford Bridge was very very good. Do you think that? That stint at right back has done me good in terms of his distribution because you're forced to use the ball perhaps a little bit better when you get further forward at right back. Yeah, I think we've seen it with Jamie Carrick. He's probably the most famous example, isn't he? He played across the whole back line a bit in midfield before he was given that chance at centre-back along Sammy Hoopier and then he's become one of the best centre-backs in Liverpool's modern history. Uh, Joe Gomez is doing this and I think people forget how young he still is yeah, like yeah. Carragher was still being thrown all over the pitch at that age yeah. and he's really made that position his own and it's quite nice to see Gomez cementing that place along Van Dyke because it feels like a proper partnership it's like how many years have we been having two centre-backs out there but it's not a partnership when you've got so many famous names in history like you put them together Hanson Lorison, even in more recent times Hoopier Oncho Hoopier Carragher yeah. you can maybe say Carragher Agger is the best we've had since then yeah. um, it's just individuals since then but now these two it's really beginning to hit home we've got some talent there and they could have these shirts for what, the next five ten years easily yeah and Dan behind them they've got an absolutely tremendous goalkeeper haven't they Gigantic in pink, wasn't he? Yeah, pretty in pink. Yeah, you can't miss him coming out. Not as pretty as James in pink. Well, no one's as pretty as James. <laughs> is that, is that a salmon? Can be whatever you want it to be, Joe. It's salmon in that. Well, you just eating salmon outside. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, there was a few a few queries put the goalkeepers away as, as towards the goal. Whether he could have done a bit better with it. A couple of the lads who, um, I won't reveal who they were, but I will reveal they were both Evertonians, said in the office that he should have saved it. And I thought it was pretty hard. I thought it was a bit hard. I mean, it, 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 I've, I've watched the game back. It, it was mentioned on the TV commentary as well. I think Jermaine Genus was you know, critical of him. I think the only, the only reason why that would even become a thing was because he's already yeah. set the bar so high. People already have such high expectations of him that any goal that Liverpool concedes... You already think, well, how's that happened? I mean, yeah, it's got to be said, Eden Hazard's probably the on-form, best on-form player in the Premiership at the moment. Uh, When he's in that inside right, inside left channel, he's very, very difficult to stop. But um, I thought it was a very, very... Whether whether you're counting that as a a black mark against his name or not, (coughs) I still think it was a very impressive performance by Alisson, particularly in that second half when 
Liverpool were dominating the play, very much pushing for an equaliser. But inevitably, in that kind of scenario, Chelsea were going to you know look to kind of kill us off on the break. And two or three times, obviously, I suppose the key one was that quickly taken free free kick when Hazard was completely clean through. Mm. What's impressive about it is that when he's coming out, he's not going to ground too quickly. He's not making the the forwards mind up for him, which some which some goalkeepers do. Look, I think Simon Mignolet. I think we'll all agree. One of the thing reason one of the things I thought he struggled with was one on ones. Mm. Thought he didn't make enough saves in those areas. And Allison does seem to he gets out really quickly, doesn't he? he? Closes the space down. Yeah, but 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 while while at the same time kind of putting the owners back yeah. on the attackers to kind yeah. of like you make a decision and yeah. it, it, oh, you see it you see it all with penalties, but particularly one on ones when you kind of think we'll rush off his line and and it, 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 you can as a goalkeeper you can almost kind of. Give the striker the, the make the striker's mind up for him, um, but I know I, I thought Allison Allison was generally excellent, very very commanding um, from crosses, just never gave. And this is the problem that we did have with Minile, who of course did have long spells when he looked very competent, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, but at his worst, particularly in those big games, just you know a sloppy kick, a sloppy throw, a sloppy punch that can just get the crowd up, get the opposition thinking, yeah, let's get a couple of balls in the box. See what happens. He doesn't seem to, obviously, apart from the one glaring example at Leicester, he doesn't seem to give opposition any of those unforced errors that can just give them a little bit of a lifeline into a game. And you know, you look at that spine of our team now with him and Van Dijk, and you know, obviously the lads we got in the middle and up front, and it is formidable. Yeah, I thought the other lad, Kepper, I won't try and say his surname, but <laughs> thought he looked a, a really good goalkeeper as well. James, you wrote that the 137 million battle. You said that Allison won. Uh, how impressed were you by his performance? Yeah, certainly his best best display for the club so far. I think um, you learn a lot about a player in in big games like that, in tough tough places. And yeah, I thought he was he was magnificent. Really, I think it'd be very hard. It's harsh to blame him for the for the goal. I think you know if you, I've watched it, but I think when you watch it, like maybe he takes a, a one step too many towards his near post. But he's then, backpedaling though, isn't he? Yeah, I mean it happens so fast. And the way the ball bounces just over his arm as yeah, well. Yeah. He's, he's close to it, but it's, it's a great it's a great thing. finish from Hazard. I don't. It's if he saves that, you're talking about sensation. Yeah, it's certainly not a mistake no, or anything no. like that. Or a save you'd expect him to make. No, no. But then, and you wouldn't. I don't think you would expect many keepers to make the two massive saves. He did. He did pull off the one. Just before the goal, actually, when William got in behind Robertson, again clean through, and he's just such a massive, imposing frame of a man. And you know, as Dan said, you know, he doesn't go to ground early, doesn't overly commit himself to. You know, suddenly, William went from you know he being clean through and being able to pick his spot to suddenly this this giant Brazilian hulking figure in front <laughs> of him, and, and and there was no way through. And similarly, the one with Hazard in the second half, you know that that saved Liverpool. You know, they just I thought Hazard was nailed on to score. Yeah, through yeah. There. I think most most people expected that to to be the game clincher, and you know, it's, you know that that's why Liverpool paid such a, a, a huge amount of money for Allison. It's why when they were struggling to agree a deal with Roma in the summer, when you know the asking price at one point was ninety million, it, it was why Klopp didn't go down the road of of an alternative. Why. You know, there was there was all kinds of speculation, wasn't there, about you know Casper Schmeichel or Butland or Nick Pope, or, and you know, and and Klopp was like, no, I'm not going to. Despite what had happened with Karius in the Champions League final, I'm not going to buy a keeper just for the sake of buying a keeper. You know, we we know who the the, the two best ones around. Obviously, are Black and Allison were the the two on the list. Allison was the the top option, and you know, patience ended up paying off with Roma reducing their demands, but. Um, 
yeah, he's an absolute class act, Alison. You know, it was really interesting listening to him. Actually, it was the f- last week was the first time he'd kind of sat down with the the English written press for an interview. So I went down to to Anfield to speak to him with the the national papers and um, just a really really interesting guy. And he was, you know, he, I think he, he I got the impression his English is pretty decent, although. I think he felt probably not quite fluent enough to be able to do an interview. So he, he did it with a, an interpreter, mm-hmm. but he gave such long, thorough answers. You can tell he's a very in, intelligent guy. Um, you know, spoke really well, I thought, about what happened to him at Leicester and the mistake he'd made and, and learning from it and getting to grips with how different it is in the Premier League with the lack of protection you get from referees compared to what he was used to and, and just the, the pace and physicality of the league in general. Um so yeah, you know, you, he's, he's the like you know Liverpool have have needed an elite level. You know, I'm trying to think, you know, obviously the early years of Pepe Reina really was the last yeah. time, wasn't it, when Liverpool had a goalie that you would say was up there with the best around, and it does feel like finally now they they've they've got someone who um, you know, who, who absolutely fits the bill, and it wasn't even just those two saves. The other, the other thing that you know there was that one when when Aldum sold him a bit short yeah. with the back pass, wasn't they? And they you know, it was late on that just, as well. Last yeah, minutes, yeah, yeah. You know, only probably a few minutes before Sturridge yeah. scored, and again, you know, Morata I thought looked probably favourite to get there first at one point, but so alert, so decisive, dealt with it, and you know, stuff like that. Just you know, you you can see that there's a a real understanding between him and the back four. Where last season you always felt there was that bit of unease because I, I'm not sure, I'm not sure that Liverpool's players 100. percent trusted and, and believed in Carrius because I think like anyone we, we knew he had a mistake in him the blood red podcast brought to you by 35 play today at thepools.com so I'm gonna put you on your toes here <laughs> sorry seems like a decent guy quite like Hazard N'Golo Kante is a great fella our Chelsea maybe not so much the fans maybe not so much the whole <laughs> club but our Chelsea a likable team they're getting there aren't they uh when you look at I suppose the teams that we don't like um they're not as high up the list now, and I think there's a few more players there. Like David Luiz, he just yeah. makes people laugh, doesn't he? Um, the I'm long... not, not a huge David Luiz fan. I'd say he's the one black mark against Chelsea's team. I like him. You like him, yeah? Oh, well, PlayStation defender. It's different, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like he's come out and been so honest in his post-match interview saying yeah. that um, oh, he'd have gone if Conte was still there. Yeah, um, yeah. They play good football when I suppose it's always easier to like a team when they've got such a talented player like Hazard. I think Liverpool gained a lot of fans from Salah last year and I think Chelsea are probably benefiting from that again this year. Yeah, yeah. Sarri and Klopp, I thought Sarri was excellent. It's a proper love in that. But they, well, proper love in, wasn't it? But they seem to kindred spirits, don't they? You know, like both, both, of, them, both of them like proper football, don't they? They, they, don't, they seem to have their hearts on their sleeves and... They they both love a good smoke as well, don't, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, I think they've got, I think they've got a lot in common. Yeah, they, you could, there was a proper uh, you know big bear hug between the two, yeah. wasn't it? Just after the final whistle, and you saw you know during the game there was a bit of dialogue between them as well. And I think just a massive amount of respect. So I think yeah. I think you're right about it. It's actually quite difficult to dislike this Chelsea at the moment. Yeah, kind of like because even watching them on Saturday, you thought that is a proper team. Like, yeah. I, you know, when I, um, when I interviewed Van Dijk afterwards, he said, you know. They are outstanding," he said. "You know, he said, you know, I believe we're an outstanding team too. But he said, you know, they're they're going to be challengers this season, and you know that you know that, that you go through that that team, and and he's got them that you know, midfield the, three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The midfield three are ridiculously good, and um, you know they they do lack a top class 
striker. You yeah. wonder whether that might that might cost them in the final reckoning because I know Giroud does a job, but um, you know he's not he's not going to score twenty five thirty goals in a season. Um, but yeah, you know Sari is, is is they're really pleasing on the eye. That was you know because even over the years when Chelsea have had spells when they've been really successful as well, they haven't always played what you what you'd say was the most entertaining brand of football. But um, but yeah, they were they're, they're good to watch, and I think. You know that only strengthened my belief on the weekend that this is a, be a three horse three horse race for the title. Yeah, me too. Dan, you've got your phone, yeah? Have you got some sort of stat that you want to? Well, uh, just along just the lines of the, well, that <laughs> bit of both. Um, no, a lot. I, I've, right from the start, I've liked the cut of Sarri's jib. He just <laughs> seems to have. <laughs> okay. I like his kind of grizzled. Yeah, I like him too. Yeah. Old school kind of approach. So the fact, you know, that he's apparently he has been learning a fair bit of English because he's not been here very long and he's already speaking quite well. No, I was just going to flag up a tweet that I saw over, over the weekend, weekend from Tony Barrett, ex of this parish, who of course mm-hmm. works for the club now, along uh, about Klopp and Sarri. He just said, mad the way two top sides can play each other twice in a week with the respective managers showing total respect for one another. Yeah. And yeah, when you yeah. think of some of the childish kind of mudslinging that goes on with some of the so-called adults they in charge. Names. Well, I think, <laughs> easy, I think we all, you know, you could take your pick, couldn't you, really? It, it was just gratifying to see, you know, an absolutely top-class football match yeah. between two excellent sides played at breakneck pace with real skill and quality. And, and, but with class and dignity and, and you know, it, it, would, it would be nice to see more of that. Um, the thing with Chelsea is that the I'm quite envious of them in some ways because you look at how many managers they've turned over in the last ten fifteen years, but there does seem to be a winning mentality bred yeah, within the club, yeah. and that's why the likes of a, an Ancelotti, a Conte, can come in and win a league within within a year or two. It might, mm-hmm. it might only hang around two or three years himself before they get, before. It's almost like they have one year on, one year off, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, at the moment. Yeah. Um, so I think yeah, chatting to an old Palusa Chelsea fan over the weekend, and I said it's. I don't see anyone finishing above us two in City. I, you know, I'd, I'd agree with, with with what James said that, that um, I think that will be the, that will be the top three, and obviously, and, and I'd have Chelsea third in that list. Um, but it, it's never an easy place to go. So I, I just think it was it, it was very important psychologically having lost to Chelsea in the League Cup on Wednesday. Even if obviously I don't think anyone was shedding too many tears about the League Cup. Joe was. I, I was, well, well, it's I ironic when you think yeah, about yeah. the arguments we've had in the past about the FA Cup, isn't it, Joe? Yeah, we'll, well, we'll, we'll see. No, no, the, the idea, <laughs> and James, James isn't bothered because all he all he's about is the, the balance sheet, isn't he? The bottom line. But I want that's trophies, boys. And, and you know, yeah, the, that's Ben Boys. You over it. it now or not? No, I'm not over it. Don't. Don't dig it back up. We've had we've argued about that, James. No, Let's the, move on. The, 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 Just the, when I was starting to think James was likable as well. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the point I wanted to make was that you know, I think two defeats, particularly to particularly to a club like Chelsea, who you know in modern history have you know have, Liverpool and Chelsea have had a lot of dealings with each mm-hmm. other, and there's no doubt in my mind they are going to be contenders this year. I think you know I think psychologically that wouldn't have been an ideal scenario. So it was only a draw. But it felt a bit like it felt a bit more than a draw, and yeah. um, obviously Liverpool got a big week ahead, so they, there's no real time to rest on laurels. Now, before we move on from the Chelsea game, I'm just going to put this one to the floor. Is anyone worried about Mohamed Salah? No, no, Theo, not really. James, no, not in not in terms of in in general so far this season. I was worried slightly on Saturday just because he was so way. Away off his off his, his usual high standards. I thought I thought he played well against Southampton the previous weekend, and obviously got his goal. And we all hoped that that would that would be him off and running again. 
Um, but yeah, for whatever reason, it just didn't happen for him mm. down at Chelsea. Um, whether whether it was partly going back to his old club, I don't know whether whether that played a part in it or what. He just it was just those couple of half chances early on, and they, they he seemed to to really take it to heart. And then after He's that, a bit it's too hard. Yeah, I just, I just thought then he made some really weird decisions in terms of there was a couple of chances when he could have shot and he didn't. He tried to pick someone out. There was the one when, again, he could have shot. He went to try and play in Firmino, which wasn't a bad option, but got it badly, badly wrong. Um, and I think, yeah, I think Klopp 100% did the right thing taking him off because yeah. I think you could see it was, it was one of them days where he just, nothing was going really going right for him. He was beating himself up about it. And it was, but... I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past Mo Salah to remind us of how good he is yeah. in uh, Stadio San Paolo on Wednesday night. Okay, well, that's segueing us nicely into that one. Do you think he'll start in Stadio San Paolo on Wednesday night? Ooh, yes. Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's it's, it's reached that point yet where you're saying is, is he worth a he worth a spot. Um, I, I only mean in terms of. You know, if you look ahead, they got Man City afterwards, haven't they? But yeah, but then Wednesday, I don't know. It's, I think it's it's a it's a big game, isn't it? I, I don't. And then you know, Wednesday to Sunday, decent amount of recovery time. Um, be interesting to see what Klopp does do. Actually, I think I'd be, I'd be amazed if there were many changes. You, th- you think potentially Keiter, yeah, probably the most likely starter that didn't didn't start on on the weekend. Him coming into the midfield, fresh legs. Is it Van Dyke, perhaps? What rested? Only in light of the ribs problem. No, I, well, I got the impression. No, I, off I know him you're shaking your head, but you know, he did say he played through the pain barrier at yeah. Chelsea, and mm. I just wonder whether you know they'll look ahead to Man City and think best giving him a breather. I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not saying he's mm. sure. I'm just saying it's not an impossibility, but I think it's very unlikely. I mean, obviously Liverpool do have three points on the board already from the victory over Paris Saint Germain, but this is probably how. It's probably nah, one of the toughest games. Probably one of the toughest games. I just think, like we've, we've been talking just before about you know this burgeoning partnership between Van Dijk and Gomez and how it seems to be going from strength to strength. And I think Klopp will be looking to go to Napoli, ideally get another three points on the table. And then you've already put down a real kind of marker in terms of qualification. So, I mean, he is going to have to use the squad. You know, every game feels important, and it's this is this is where the manager earns his corn, isn't he, by mm-hmm. trying to come up with the right. Technical salute, ta- technical and tactical solutions for each game to make sure that everyone's got enough minutes in their legs without having too many minutes in their legs, and it's you know it's not an exact science. Yeah. Um, but I'd be I'd be gobsmacked if Van Dijk was rested personally. Theo, any thoughts with regards to changes on Wednesday night? I agree. It's probably Kite is the most likely one, isn't it? I think um, you've got to leave Salah in because when you, we see him take it so to heart, those chances he was missing mm-hmm. at the weekend. He's going to take it to heart if you drop him. And he scored against Napoli in pre-season. He actually scored on his last appearance at the stadium for Roma. So if he goes and puts in a good performance there in familiar surroundings, it might be the boost he needs going into a big game against Man City. Okay, well, I hope the three have, um, haven't eaten recently because I'm going to bring up a Liverpool team that played in Napoli eight years ago. It might make you feel a little bit sick. I'll read you through it before we talk about it. In goal, Pepe Reina. It's a good start, but it, it doesn't go... It goes downhill a bit from here. Right back, Martin Kelly. Uh, Centre-halves, Martin Skirtle and Jamie Carragher. At left back, Paul Koncheski. And this is where it starts to get really bad. Um, in midfield, uh, Christian Poulsen, Jay Spearing and John Joe Shelby made up. I think they made up a midfield three. I think we've got two wingers in Ryan Babel and Milan Jovanovic. And up front, the 
David Ngog. <laughs> so, um, I mean, that, that that's only eight years ago. It's only eight years ago. Times have changed a great deal. They, they managed to get a decent result there, a nil-nil draw that night. <laughs> You'd probably take that on Wednesday, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. Um, it just makes you appreciate just how far the, the club's come in what is a relatively short period of time, isn't it? Because, yeah. you know, it was... That that obviously that would have been around the time where FSG took over them. Yeah, I think it would. Yeah, the, the, the autumn, it was just wasn't after it? that, wasn't it? The uh, and you know, and you think the the, the paucity of the of, of the talent at the, at the time, and obviously, the, you know, illustrated by the the identity of the manager as well in the dugout, mm. who was who was never up to the job, and yeah, players like Paul Konchesky and Christian Paulson who. Shouldn't have been anywhere near a Liverpool shirt. At least you had Giov- Nathan Eccleston to come off the bench. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you'd have Jovanovic in that in that bracket as well. It was yeah, that was it, that was the uh, the paucity of talent there compared to you know when we're now debating whether you know Klopp should find room for Shakiri or Kaiser and storage. Yeah, you know, it's, <laughs> it's it's just the difference between night and day, isn't it? And um, and obviously that was the Europa League. This is this yes. is the Champions League as well. Um, you know, it's yeah, it's it's just completely different. I think you go back to then, and that that game would have almost been looked upon. Were you, by, that, were you there? That just game? no, it was just before my just before. I think I I became the Liverpool reporter in the following February. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, conveniently skipped Hodge and then yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> lucky escape. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it may, it's you know, it's yeah. Back then, that game would have been looked upon as almost like a an annoying irrelevance. Mm. Probably, you know, I think. It was, you know, it was the Europa League. Obviously, Liverpool had a horrendous start to the Premier League season as well. Club was an absolute mess. Now, you know, going back there, absolutely banging. You know, amongst Europe's elite, um, it's going to be a cracking occasion. I think. Um, you know, obviously, Ancelotti has got has got them playing this season. Second in Syria, won five out of seven so far. Lost to Juventus on the weekend, but. You know that's that's no disgrace losing to Juventus and they had a player sent off as well. Napoli, I think about that half an hour to go. Um, so yeah, I think you know this this is a big game in the context of the group as well for Liverpool because you know if they can get anything from Wednesday night, they're in a fantastic position going into that double header against Red Star. They have some familiar faces on the opposition team that night as well, wouldn't they? Uh, yeah, we got the big names that well still there: Hamsik, yeah. uh, Cavani, Lavezzi, and then a certain Desena. Left back, yeah. <laughs> okay, before we finish off, um, predictions. Let's start with you, Dan. Um, I'm going to say a 2-1 Liverpool win. 2-1 Liverpool win. Theo? 1-0 Liverpool. 1-0 Liverpool, James? 2-1 Liverpool. Yeah, I just think it all... I, th- I think we these kind of games brought out the best in Klopp's team last season. And I don't think... You know, it will be really intimidating... Um, but Liverpool are used to that. The experiences of last season will, will stand them in good stead, and I, I just think, I think you know they'll they'll click better. I think as an attacking force, they'll be able to pick Napoli off on the counter, and uh, yeah, I fancy them to make it two out of two in the group. Yeah, I think it's going to be three one Liverpool. Uh, James, before we do finish off, um, some warnings for Liverpool fans travelling over to Napoli. Of course, it's not the easiest of place to travel to, is it? Um, some Merseyside police have, have released a couple of tweets today what, what have they had to say they have yeah just you know uh making sure that the fans do everything they possibly can to s- stay safe um talking about how the you know there'd be buses to 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 get them to and from the stadium not warning them not to use public transport mm-hmm. to get to the uh the stadio san paolo not to wear um club colors around the city 
Um, obviously, there were some some incidents with fans getting attacked the last time mm-hmm. Liverpool were there, and um, desperately hoping there's no repeat this time. So, um, yeah, all of that's on our website. Well mm-hmm. worth checking out. I think you know, best part of three thousand Liverpool fans making the trip over there. Um, of course, there were similar concerns when Liverpool went to Rome for the semi-final um, towards the end of last season, and thankfully, you know, the police operation then was was spot on, um, and those fears you know didn't didn't come to fruition so uh you know hopefully this is the, this is, this will be the a similar thing this time around yeah if you're going over there stay safe plan your trip um thank you very much for tuning in before we go just a reminder to uh review rate and subscribe to the show whether you listen on itunes or spotify um if you like what you're here give us a good rate and if you don't well just yeah don't say anything just keep it quiet <laughs> keep it to yourselves uh, thanks for tuning in and we'll speak again on Friday where we'll discuss Napoli and look ahead to the small matter that is Manchester City cheers to wrap you've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo